Amen. Thank you for that. I have had a great time this week and enjoyed being able to minister, meet with the men in the morning, answer questions, and I am so excited at what I feel and just I'm in awe that I get to be a part of this with you. So turn in your Bibles on the final night to John chapter 6 and we'll look in God's word. Warren Buffett is one of the greatest investors in our day. This man is a genius at investing in the stock market. I think he's the fourth or fifth richest man in the whole world. He has a, a his personal net worth is 120 billion US dollars. So this man is a genius at investing. Every year he raises money as a charity that he raises money for. He offers an online auction and what you're bidding on is the privilege of having lunch with Warren Buffett. You can have lunch with him. You can spend some hours of a day with the greatest investor of our time. This year, 2023, somebody paid 19 million US dollars to have lunch with Warren Buffett. I'd be willing to have lunch with them for 18 million. <laughs> Why would you pay 19 million dollars to have lunch? Because whoever paid that understood a simple principle. If there's something you need to know, you need to speak to someone who knows more than you do. In our story, the disciples are in a crisis because they don't know what to do to change their situation, but Jesus does. Very simple but powerful lesson we're going to learn. For all of life, it actually forms the title of the sermon, that is, God knows how. Look with me at that thought, God knows how, John 6, 5 through 9, then Jesus lifted up his eyes, seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what to do. You should take note of that phrase. He himself knew what he would do. Verse 7, Philip answered, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Simon Peter's brother, said, there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? God knows how. Let's talk about running on empty. This story shows us something that is universal for everybody, every church at different times, it's an impossible situation. It's absolutely impossible. Thousands of people and they have no food to feed them, nor do they have money to buy food. Verse seven, eight months of wages wouldn't uh, not buy enough bread for each person to even have a bite. You and I, the church you pastor, the church you attend, you're gonna find yourself in a situation and you're gonna say, it's impossible. Possible. And while we're in that situation, we cannot calculate and how to work out an answer. Verse 9, there's a boy that has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? 
I, I don't get it, Jesus. This is so big, I cannot see possibly how we can work this out. Elisha's disciple looked out over the walls and they are completely surrounded by armies. And his statement was, alas, master, what shall we do? I don't get it. I have no idea what we can possibly do. My problem or the problem of my church or my family, it is so big. It's so complicated. It's been this way for so long. The economy is so bad that you don't understand so many doctors. This is what they said. Matthew 19, 25, they were exceedingly amazed when they heard it and they said, who then can be saved? Have you ever felt like that? You ever said, who can be saved? Is there anyone? That's how we feel. Our city, that guy, he had a good report tonight because he got the good people. He got the good city. I got the bad city. The people in my town, they are too fill in the blank. What are they? Too godless, too religious, too rich, too poor, sinful, proud, atheist. I don't know. It's, I don't get it. It's too hard. We can get to that point in a lot of different ways. Often that's simply an assault from hell. This is why the devil fights anything good because he's trying to destroy or at the least hinder God's will. 2 Kings 6.14, the king of Aram one night sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. This is what happens sometimes. We're trying our best and it's like nothing goes right. Someone gets saved and then old friends suddenly show up. I've had people that before they were saved, they had to big they had to steal to get enough money for drug get saved people start offering them drugs for free that never happened until they got saved i've seen people get saved i've seen ugly brothers get saved beautiful women suddenly start wanting to date them <laughs> come on you know that has to be from hell god save your soul come on it's true he saved your soul he didn't change your looks that's a demon As soon as someone gets saved, someone from another church or a cult takes them away. They get offered a job in Dubai to take them away. It's like I can't seem to get ahead. That's from hell. But in our text, getting into an impossible situation was actually by the plan of God. God was the one who led them there knowing there would be no food. John 6, 6, he said this to prove him. This is a mining word, a saying. This is what they do. They, they put heat on ore to find out what's in there. God lets us get in, in these situations. He already knows what's in our heart, but he wants what's inside to come to the surface. Sometimes that's nothing more than an ego adjustment. God lets us wrestle all night until we say, I can't do it. Luke 5, 5, Master, we worked hard all night trying to catch fish and we caught nothing. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. We say, amen, yeah, that's true, but it's when you get in an impossible situation, you realize, I can't do this, nor do I have any idea 
how it can change. This can be totally overwhelming. What the devil wants is to bring despair, which is the absence of hope. It'll never change. Psalm 143, 4, my spirit is overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is desolate. That word overwhelmed, it's darkness. I can't see a way out of this. I cannot possibly see a path through that will meet my need, fix this problem, get a breakthrough. The mistake that we make is thinking that God views it like we do. Our problem, we are limited human beings. What are these among so many? I don't get it. I, I can't possibly fix this problem. We think, we put our limitations on God. We think that's what God is thinking too. God's in heaven going, I hear you, dude. Man, I have no idea how this is gonna work out either. Like God is up in heaven wringing his hands. How can we possibly fix it? We think God is limited. Stories told of children, they were in the school cafeteria lining up for lunch. One end of the table was a large pile of apples and a teacher wrote a note next to the apples, take only one, God is watching. <laughs> at, the, at the other end of the table was a large pile of chocolate chip biscuits. A boy wrote a note and put next to the biscuits, take all you want, God's watching the apples. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever have this sneaking suspicion with your problem that God got busy with somebody else's problem? Like right now, God is wondering, what's going to happen in Israel? I, I don't have time for your problems. And then, of course, we make a second mistake. We doubt God's heart because we can't work it out. Mark 4, 38, the disciples said, teacher, don't you care if we drown? You, you can make bad decisions when you get to this point of an impossible situation. Some people accept their situation. That's the way it is here. That's the way it's always been for my family. That's just how it works out for me. Fruitfulness, I'm fascinated the theories that I hear. People are struggling to be fruitful. They say, well, Elijah, he was in the desert and, and uh, you know... And, in America, Native Americans, they used to put dead fish in with the crops, and so the something has to die. So they, like what? You have the dead fish ministry. That's what you got. And then, of course, some people make bad decisions. They wind up quitting because they think, God can't help me with this situation. Here, I want to encourage you right here. Second thought, God knows how. Because this story is actually a lesson about who God is. That's what the whole story is about. It's not about your problem. It's about who God is. One of the attributes of God, he is omniscient. Omni is all. And then we get the word science from this. All knowing. John 6, verse 6. This he said to prove him. For he himself already knew what he would do. One translation says he already had in mind. Another one says he already knew. Isaiah 46, 10, from the beginning, I told you what would happen in the end. A long time ago, I told you things that haven't yet happened. When I plan something, it happens. What I want to do, it will do, or I will do it. This is God. He knows everything. 
He told uh, uh, the prophet Isaiah the name of a king who was going to be born 150 years in the future. By name, there's going to be a king that's going to help God's people. His name is Cyrus. Wasn't even born yet, and God already knew it. He knows everything. He told the woman at the well how many husbands she already had in the past, and the fact right now you're shacking up, you're living with a man, you're not married to him. He knew that. He knows everything. So when we are struggling with impossible situations, listen, the enemy does not know more than God. He may try to block, he may try to hinder or complicate, but God is still smarter. First Kings 2.8, none of the rulers of this age understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. The king of Syria kept trying to attack and ambush the people of God and Elisha would send word again and again. God would warn him because God knows everything. Joseph's brothers sell him into slavery. He's able to say later on, but God meant it for good. God knows everything. So now let's bring it down. The God who knows everything, what does this have to do with the problem you face right now? What is your problem? Is it financial? Is it fruitfulness? Is it the salvation of a loved one, the need for disciples, buildings for churches, health issues. I don't know what your problem is, but I do know this, God knows how. God is never baffled. He's never at a loss. He's never wringing his hands worrying about a solution. Verse six, for he himself knew what he would do. Listen, God has no problems. He only has solutions. God already has a strategy to meet your need. Think about how this, this is very practical. Number one, if God knows how, God knows who the answer is. Verse nine, there is a boy here. That boy was the key to feeding everyone. But this is true not just in feeding the 5,000, this is true in every area of life. Jesus knew that the Samaritan woman, one woman could unlock an entire city. They all came out to hear about Jesus. Do you understand this, pastor? Right there, are pastors, you, you are struggling with barrenness right now. You, you've got your deadly dozen or handful or however many you have, the same crowd you've had forever. Do you understand right now, God knows the name of someone who can unlock your whole community? He already knows their name. God is not going, who, possibly, he already knows who, he knows what they're doing right now because God knows how. There are people, you have problems that are complicated. You have been trying. I don't know if that's with the government, if that's with the tax office, if that's with the business. You've been, they've been sending you around. You've been going crazy trying to find who possibly can help me fix this. God knows how. He knows who it is right now who can change your entire situation. Listen to this testimony. A man said when he was 30, he realized he wanted to change careers completely, but that meant he had to be accepted into a graduate school. 
This is advanced university. The problem was he was messing around when he was attending university and his grades were very average. So it's going to be impossible that a graduate school would want someone like him. He said he applied to 19 different universities. Then his wife found out about one more and he thought, what the heck, let's make it an even 20. Sent him a 20th application. He sent the last application in and he was sitting there thinking, did I sign that last application? Because if it's not signed, they're not going to accept it at all. And he's like, stupid. I don't know if I did or didn't. So he called the university to ask them to check his application. Did he sign it? He said the phone rang and rang and rang and rang. Finally, a man picked it up and said hello. And as he's talking to this man, he's explaining, look, I sent in my application. And the man answered, why are you sending an application? He said, look, I'm 30. I really want to change careers. And I didn't make good decisions. My, my grades. And he's explaining it. The man he was talking to was the dean of the entire university. He said, I was walking by. The secretary was away from the desk. And the phone just kept ringing. So I thought I might as well answer it. He talked for an hour to the dean of the university out of 20 applications. Guess which school accepted him? Because God knows how. He knows who is the answer to your problem. Number two, God knows where the problem, or the answer is. John 21, verse 6, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Jesus said the answer is over there. God knows where. A man named Frank DiMazio, he said his church in Portland, they'd been trying to buy land in order to build, and they kept running into snags in the contract. It was one drama and problem after another. A man came to speak to him, gave him a word of wisdom. God wants you to know this is the wrong land. This is not the land God wants you to buy. Look on the other side of town. And when he looked on the other side of town, he found a bigger piece of land, easier to build on at a lower price and better terms because God knows where. Do you know that God knows right now where the building is you need for your church? He knows it already. Juan Pablo Cardo has a fantastic building. He, he was crammed in this tiny little, I think probably Pastor Ruby preached in there. You know, it was like, he had got claustrophobia getting in there. It jammed in, I think, uh, 200 people one time in a building that probably should seat 75. It was ridiculous. Like, I just need a building, but I have no idea. One block from the building, he drove by every day. He, he, got, he got a building that is three floors of 400 square meters each. And he said, I drove by it for years. I never saw the building. God knows where. We went to South Africa. I went to a huge, Johannesburg is a massive city. I come from a small town and I was praying, God, I don't know where I'm supposed to be. Tried one area, different thing. But one of the things that began to happen, it didn't matter where we were when we started witnessing to people 
who was the person who was open? If they were open and listen, we had a really good witness. Where are you from? We're from El Dorado Park. We go to a shopping center, witness, they're open. Where are you from? We're from El Dorado Park. Finally, Lisa said, I think God's trying to tell us something. <laughs> went to El Dorado Park and went from zero to hundreds in, in three days, literally. It was, it was a miracle of God. God knows where the answer is. Thirdly, God knows when the answer is. Part of success in life is timing. 2 Kings 7, verse 1, tomorrow, about this time. This is the God that we serve. He knows who, he knows where, he knows when. God knows how. And not only does he know, one of the things about the Bible is it tells us over and over again, God is willing to tell us that information. God is willing to tell us what he knows. Isaiah 45, 3, I'll give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places. Daniel 2, 28, there is a God in heaven that reveals secrets. In our text here, Jesus reveals the lunch that is available, the personnel, who is supposed to uh, 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 be involved in this. He tells them the plan. Verse 10, make the men sit down. God will tell you what you need to know. Moses was told by God, put a tree in the water and it will heal the bitter waters. For Elisha, it wasn't a tree, pour salt in the water that is making you sick. Peter, go and catch a fish and there's money in the fish's mouth to pay your taxes and mine both. God showed Elisha enemy strategies. And then Elisha very wisely prays for his servant, Lord, open his eyes. See, God is willing to open your eyes. God is willing to show you how, who, when, where, because our God cares for us. Mark 8, 2, I have compassion on the multitude, for they've now been with me three days. They have nothing to eat. Do you know what? You know, prayer is not trying to convince God. Some people think, Prayer is a holy headlock. You're going to get God. You're gonna, I know you don't want to help me, but I am going to pray until you are going to help me. God is like, no, no, I don't want to. You're going to help me. No, no, no. Listen, God cares more about your need than you do. You don't have to convince God. Listen to this. Angel and Bernadette Ortiz out of uh, the church in El Paso, they were announced to go pioneer in Havana, Cuba. Pastor Paul Stevens asked him, he, he said, this is what God is dealing with me. I want to go to Havana, Cuba. He said, number one, how are you going to get in? How are you going to get in a visa? How's an American going to get a visa into Cuba? He said, I don't know. It's complicated. And then how are you going to start a church in this communist land? He said, I don't know. It's complicated, but I know that God wants me to go. Okay. They agreed, announced it on Thursday night. After conference, he had bought his son a Bible when he bought it, they told him that he, to give him a, as a gift. They said, bring the Bible back after you give it as a gift, and we will personalize it. We'll emboss the cover uh, with your son's name. So he went back to the Christian bookstore to get the Bible embossed. A man walked in speaking loudly, and he heard one of the workers say, have you gone to Cuba yet? 
So his ears perked up. He went up to this man and he said, did, did I hear them say you're going to Cuba? And he said, yes, I am. He was a Cuban that had escaped. He fled Cuba years before on a raft or a boat of some kind, made it to the shores of America. Now he's in America. He was able to get U.S. citizenship, but he wanted to visit his family for 10 years. He applied every year. They rejected his visa, rejected his visa. After 10 years, they finally gave him a visit. He was able to go back to visit his family. He had gotten saved in America, and the reason why he was in the bookstore, he's buying Bibles because he said, I want my family to be converted to Jesus like I have. So Angel said, I'm going to Havana, Cuba. We're going to start a church. And the man asked him, if my family converts to Jesus, will you teach them the Bible? And Angel asked, where does your family live? They live in the neighborhood of Miramar, which is where Angel was announced to go to. <laughs> when Angel and Bernadette landed in Havana, that man's family welcomed him. He had his first Bible study in that man's relative's house. The family got saved and were the original converts of his church in Cuba. God knows how. Can you say amen? Thank God. Look finally at, at trusting God. What are we supposed to do with this information? Practical steps for God showing us how. Number one, ask God to show you. Jeremiah 33, 3, call unto me and I'll answer you. Show you great and mighty things which you don't know. David asked God, shall I go up against the Philistines? Yes, another time, shall I go up? Not yet. Wait and go around behind them when you hear the sound of marching in the mulberry tree. Ask and God will show you. I pray for wisdom. I pray for direction. God, speak to me, show me what I don't know. Number two, you gotta act on what you do know. Verse nine, there's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. Sometimes direction doesn't come by a voice from heaven. Sometimes It's not like every time I've made a good decision in life, it was because God said, Greg, yes, Lord. And told me what to do. Genesis 24, 27, I being in the way the Lord led me. Do you know my father made a powerful statement? He said, you can stumble into the will of God. We went to Johannesburg. I'm praying, God, I don't want to waste time. I opened in this one area that I thought was going to be good. I stumbled into direction, people witnessing. And then a man said, look, I met a guy in that place, Eldorado Park, went Met him, you've heard many stories I've told. The man was a witch doctor. But the moment that I, I spoke to him just for a few minutes, why I'm here, I'm here to start a church, the witch doctor looked at me and said, you need to be here. And he said, if you'll come here, I will help you. And he did. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely, that man, he took me around. He took me to the school. He bombed when he was 
in the apartheid area. He bombed that. He took me to the school. He bombed. This is Pastor Mitchell. He's from the Potter's House. They know he's a witch doctor. <laughs> the lady's looking at him and looking at me, and she asked me, how do you know this guy? <laughs> I stumbled into the will of God because you act on what God shows you. Thirdly, you have to obey whatever God tells you. John 7, 17, if any man will do his will, he'll know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak. God guides obedience hearts. This story is told so that we will trust God. There are people, you're gonna be launched out tonight. What's gonna happen? I don't know. Trust God. There are people, you got problems. How's it gonna be fixed? I don't know. Trust God. It's repeated in all four of the gospels. It's actually repeated in two different ways. The feeding of the 5,000 feeding of the 4,000, different events, same story. Very important note, 12 disciples at the end of the story gather up the scraps, the leftovers, and they filled 12 baskets, 12 disciples. Each of them walked away holding. It wasn't about how much they could eat out of that. That was for the rest of their life. The next time you get in a problem and you think, oh no, how can... But I, re I remember God knew how. He knows how. Because you're gonna get in impossible situations many times in life. So what we should do is trust, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he'll make your paths straight. You can trust God to help you. I close with this. Duncan Campbell, Campbell was at a conference in Scotland, their version of a Bible conference. While he is attending this Bible conference, he just had this strong feeling that he was supposed to go to the Hebrides Islands. The Hebrides, 500 miles off the coast of Scotland, and he couldn't shake it just this you need to go to the Hebrides. He find, it was so strong that he left the conference, got a boat, traveled to the Hebrides, not knowing why God would have him go there. He's walking through the town when he landed and he sees a church and the doors open, so he thought he'd go and see what's going on. When he's there, the cleaner is cleaning and arranging everything, and he asked him, he said, what's happening here? And the man said, we have a special speaker tonight. And he said, really, what's his name? And the man said, Duncan Campbell. And he said, I'm Duncan Campbell. And he's like, you were waiting for, and he asked the man, how did you know I was coming? He said, the man smiled, and he said, how did you know to come? Listen, God knows how. Right now, God knows who, he knows where, he knows when, he knows how. Listen, when you go home, God is gonna help you. If you'll trust him, if you'll ask him, you're gonna say with the disciples, our God knows how. You believe that? Thank God. Let's bow our heads. Close our eyes. Thank God. Praise God.